Welcome to Interviews for Resistance. Since election night 2016, the streets of the U.S. have rung with resistance. People all over the country have woken up with the conviction that they must do something to fight inequality in all its forms. But many are wondering what it is they can do. In this series, we'll be talking with experienced organizers, troublemakers, and thinkers who have been doing the hard work of fighting for a long time. They'll be sharing their insights on what works, what doesn't, what has changed, and what is still the same. I am Sarah Jaffe, your host. So my name is Molly Gott, and I'm a researcher with the Public Accountability Initiative, which is also sometimes known as Little Six, um, because that's the name of the power research database that we oversee. All right. And so you are one of the people who's starting the new um, Map the Power project. And um, so start out by telling us a little bit about what this project is and, and what you aim to do with it. Sure. Um, so... You know, what we do at Little Fist, um, so it's called Little Fist because we're the opposite of Big Brother. So instead of kind of the state or the government looking down on you, we are activists, organizers, journalists looking up at the power structure. Mm -hmm. We kind of specialize in doing what we call like power structure research. That's really like identifying and understanding the corporations, the super ultra wealthy people, the kind of elite class um, that wields a lot of power in our society and our economy. Um, and really kind of digging in, understanding the relationships that they have, and kind of doing research that can help grow and support social movements. Um, and so Math of Power is a project to train folks on how to do that research and really support activists, organizers, and people who are newly politicized and looking to engage um, in social movements and how to do that power research in a way that supports local organizing um, across a variety of issues. Yeah, so tell us a little bit more about um, what it is that you're doing in these trainings, right? What What is power mapping for people who don't really know? Yeah, so I think kind of the key part that we often use to describe what power mapping is, is this concept of like going up the food chain um, and really kind of understanding like who wields power in our society and thinking beyond kind of traditional targets that oftentimes we think about in organizing, like elected officials. So really looking at above those folks to identify like who are the corporations that are donating to those people, who are the corporations that like are massive employers in our society and therefore wield a lot of influence and how are they all kind of connected to one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have a database called littlesis.org that is like a Wikipedia-style database where anyone can sign up and add information and search for information on kind of the 1% of America. Mm-hmm. Um, and so part of the idea of Massive Power kind of grew out of that work that we had done and kind of training people on how to use that database and the concept that really like, because so much information is available on the internet that anyone can really do this kind of power structure research. Mm-hmm. Um, and so after the Trump election, when we saw, um, you know, that despite the fact that he had ran on this kind of like quasi-populist agenda and criticizing Wall Street and hedge fund managers and all that, he was really surrounding himself with the very people that he was criticizing and that even kind of the more like supposedly moderate members of the corporate class who hadn't supported him during the election were kind of lining up behind him mm-hmm. and excited about things like tax reform. Um, and, you know, massive rollbacks of regulations and all these things are going to really intensify income inequality. And so as we were kind of thinking about that and realizing that, we kind of thought, okay, like one key part of the resistance work and, and doing that is going to be understanding who those people 
those corporate players really are mm -hmm. um, and how we understand their network to really organize to, to diminish their power. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of part of the idea where it came from. And at the same time, there were all these people who were looking to engage um, in organizing and in resistance in a deeper way. Um, and so we kind of also thought, like, there needs to be lots of different kinds of structures to absorb those people and, like, roles in our movement. Um, mm -hmm. Which for me is one of the coolest parts of doing this project of, like, having archival librarians come to our training and people that are public health researchers or, like, stay-at-home parents who are, like, I, can, I can't, like, go to a march, but I could, like, do research for two hours while my kid is napping in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. um, and so really kind of pairing people's skill sets with power research, which like most groups don't really have a lot of capacity to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point that you um, can provide something people can do that isn't necessarily just in the streets. Um, can you tell us about maybe a couple of examples of um, campaigns that have used Little Sis um, and this kind of power mapping so people can get a better idea of what it is? Yeah, totally. So I live in Philly, and so we have a crew of folks who are kind of a Mass of the Power Philly crew that have been doing power structure research about kind of both the local power structure of Philly and then also kind of ties to Trump in this moment. Mm -hmm. So kind of the first project that we did was this, like, corporate collaborators of Trump of Philadelphia that really we, like, went through and looked at who were the key donors to Trump in Philly who were people that he had pre-existing business relationships for, who were people that were leading business councils or members of business councils um, that he was appointing to really just kind of like put those folks on display. Um, and we released that set of information like ahead of May Day when there were some actions happening in Philly to kind of bring the focus not just on like to me, who's our senator or public senator here, but also these like corporate villains that are in Philly. Yeah. Um, and didn't really want to be publicly associated with Trump. So that's one thing. Um, and then I think like the other example of a particular person we've done a lot of work around and worked with other groups around organizing that's happening and starting to happen at a bigger scale is also everyone's favorite billionaire, Stephen Schwartzman of Blackstone. Mm -hmm. um, and really kind of mapping out all the ways that Blackstone and Schwartzman touches down in the economy, whether as a landlord or as an employer or as a financer of fossil fuel infrastructure mm -hmm. um, and really showing that like it all leads back to this one guy. Um, and so part of understanding kind of who rules our economy and who's responsible for the inequality that we see right now is pointing that out and really thinking about how we organize to diminish that power. Yeah. Um, yeah, you, you sent me the zine that you guys made to go along with this project and um, you have a couple of examples of, of the movements and, and organizations that really understood and, and valued the role of this kind of research. Um, so I wonder if you could talk about that and the role that research like this has played in different movements, because I think a lot of people don't really know that history. Yeah, totally. Um, but I mean, I think some of the history that we were really inspired by when putting together this project was about um, SNCC, so the Southern Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, and the role that their research department played um, mm -hmm. in their strategy, which I didn't really know a lot about at the time. And since then, we've started putting out, actually, like, doing some kind of archival research about that department. Mm -hmm. um, but there's some really interesting materials in there about the way that the SNCC field team and the SNCC research department kind of work together um, 
a good example is kind of this document that the research department put out that was called the Mississippi Power Structure. That was this really kind of in-depth look at, yeah. um, you know, the question of who has power in Mississippi and tying things back from like local struggles that were happening there to like the Queen of England um, and, you know, massive banks um, and like looking at particular political figures that were on many power boards, which is what we call them sometimes, mm -hmm. um, and really having like a really clear understanding of what they were up against in Mississippi. Yeah. Um, beyond just like everyday racist folks that they were, you know, encountering on the street. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point right now when we're looking at this resurgence of sort of open white supremacy. Um and these you see these reactions. I forget who it was the other day that was like, Oh, I feel bad picking on these, you know, white supremacists because they're the poorest in society and it's research like this can actually show that that's not really true. Yeah, I think like particularly in the last week, it's been interesting, like because there are some like some CEOs, but, you know, Trump's two business council shut down and mm -hmm. CEOs are kind of publicly distancing themselves from him a little bit. Mm -hmm. So Charlottesville, but at the same time, like Jamie Dimon, who I think, you know, JP Morgan Chase just gave a million dollars to groups saying that they're you know, donating to fight white supremacy, but at the same time, the business roundtable, which he chairs, um, just launched like a massive advertising campaign for tax reform that's supported by the White House and by all the Republican leadership. Yeah. Um, so I think it's also like research showing how these folks in a way that, you know, the people that were in the streets in Charlottesville, the corporate folks kind of play both sides. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, it's a little bit more obscure the way that they're white supremacy manifest. Yeah. So I think that's kind of an important role of research right now. Yeah, that's a good point too. Um, yeah, I think, you know, when we, we think about what organizing is and what movements are, we don't sort of tend to think about people, you know, behind computer screens or, or uh, in libraries or in the, wherever we kind of think of people in the streets. And so, um, it is really useful to think about other ways that you can contribute things and, and ways for people to target um, different types of power. Yeah. And some of like the kind of my thinking around like what is the role of research in our movements comes out of like I was involved in building some of the um, jail support apparatus in Ferguson. Mm -hmm. And seeing the ways that like that actually attracted and gave roles in that movement for folks who maybe couldn't do other things mm -hmm. um, and really kind of gave them a home um, to be doing political work. And so thinking about the way that research can, can kind of do that as well. And we've really been kind of pushing folks, um, which has been really fun to like be doing research kind of in community more. So like in Philly, we've had kind of like, you know, research pizza night where we all just bring our computers um, and do a bunch of tasks really quickly. Um, it's kind of like way more fun than just being by yourself behind a computer screen for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned the tax reform questions. We've got some, we've got plenty of things coming up. There's never any shortage of things coming up here. Um, but are there any particular, um, items on Trump's agenda, I guess, that you're keeping an eye on and that people, you know, should be watching for who's pulling the strings on? 
Um, so one project that we're doing right now that is related to that, I think, is also looking at kind of like the corporate beneficiaries and funders and backers of Islamophobia. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we've been working with a set of volunteers and a couple of other partner groups to look at a list of the most active, like, Islamophobia-promoting groups right now that are, like, you know, shooting through the roof in terms of activity now that, that Trump is, is in office. Yeah. Um, but really tracing back to like who are their funders, who are like the key corporate people that don't really publicly want to be, um, you know, associated yeah. in Islamophobia, um, mm-hmm. but are working behind the scenes to do it. Um, so I think that kind of that's one thing that's on our mind. Um, and then, of course, like the tax reform stuff, like you said, um, just because it has so many like far reaching and catastrophic effects. Um, in terms of income inequality and like the material conditions of folks' lives. Yeah. Yeah. And when sort of when you we know from unfortunate experience that, you know, just exposing people as being supporters of Trump or something like that didn't wasn't enough. There have to be sort of other things that make them respond. So, um, you know, talk about a little bit about what the, the value of sort of knowing who these people are and, and different ways that people have used that information to, to put pressure on these people. Yeah, totally. I mean, so I think one thing is kind of understanding, um, you know, points of pressure to really kind of like hit them where it hurts and understanding like what they really care about um, and where they're making their money. So like thinking about all of, like the tax loopholes, um, like, you know, the carried interest loophole that Wilbur Ross and other kind of private equity billionaires that Trump has surrounded himself care about mm-hmm. um, and kind of putting more energy into those those things and that's what some of the groups that we're working on. And I think also just um, thinking about like the way that research like this can help inform direct action and doing particularly like more disruptive direct actions of these folks um, in a way that both like tell the story of how they're disrupting our lives. Um, so we have to disrupt them in the same way. And then also like going into more escalated spaces, like their social clubs, um, or like some of the stuff that um, the government staff folks were doing around like Steve Nation's art gallery on the Upper East Side. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think there's an element of power research that goes into that um, of understanding kind of where their social networks are as well. Yeah. Um, excellent. And so how can people um, take one of these trainings or get involved in doing this work? Yeah, so we have monthly online trainings and we do in-person trainings for folks too um, and kind of have a variety of ways that people who are doing this research across the country can connect with and support one another. So if you go to littlefist.org slash toolkit, that's the best place to go. We have an intro toolkit, um, postings of past trainings we've done and a sign-up form so you can get more information. Yeah, excellent. Um, and how can people keep up with you? Um, you can follow LittleSys on Twitter or TwiddleSys. Um, yeah, that's where most of my, my work is. Interviews for Resistance is a project of Sarah Jaffe with assistance from Laura Fayebois and support from the Nation Institute. You can find more information at necessarytrouble.org. Thanks for listening.